Back Blue Shirts fans to episode number 172 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. The final horn just sounded in the Rangers game two loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. They fall four to one today. Ironically, even though they lost by a much greater margin today than they did in game one, uh, game one was of course three to two. I felt like the Rangers did play better today, but ultimately bottom line, they were outplayed again. It just was not good enough. And Andrei Svechnikov comes up with a hat trick for the Canes. You know, we were really worried about Carolina's top line coming into this series because they are very dangerous. They're very young. They're only getting better and better. And of course, Svechnikov with the hat trick today and Sebastian Ajo with three assists. So they combined for six points and really just kind of had their way with the Rangers. And I think the other key, key sequence in this game was just a brutal stretch to open the second period by the Rangers. The Hurricanes got a power play goal from Svechnikov, his second of the game, and then just a minute and 11 seconds later, they get a goal from Jordan Martinuk, just kind of a stuff-in try there. And just like that, a 1-1 tie turns into a 3-1 lead for the Carolina Hurricanes. And the reason this is so disheartening is because, and, and this is something I tweeted about during the game as well, the first period of this game, the Rangers played great, and I know it was only tied at one going into the break, but they were far better than they were at any point in game one in this first period here, and you want to toss the Islander game into that as well. To this point, the Rangers had played seven periods since the pause, and this was far and away their best, and it looked like you know maybe they're going to take control here, get to play with a lead for once. That would be nice. They haven't done that since the pause happened, and maybe just be off and running and, and just kind of have their way with the Hurricanes in this game, but it just wasn't meant to be because they just did not look sharp at the start of the second period, and it's one of those things that's probably a byproduct of having such a young team and having a team that has so little playoff experience, but you just hope that the Rangers have kind of learned their lesson, not only for the rest of this series, however long it might go, and I'm not giving up yet. You know, nobody should give up on this Rangers team. They haven't given up on us all season, but we'll see, you know, if, if the lesson has been learned in the short term for the rest of this series and in the long term for seasons to come because you just can't do that in the playoffs. You can't fall asleep at the wheel for even a short amount of time, a couple of bad shifts, and it's going to cost you, and it cost the Rangers big time here today. It starts with Brendan Smith taking what was a pretty unnecessary penalty. I mean, you know, Ajo was there. He was in front of the net. I get that Brendan Smith is trying to prevent Ajo. He's a dangerous player. He wants to try to stop him from getting in position for a possible tap-in try because the puck was behind the net, and you got to figure the Hurricanes were looking to play it in front. But you got to be able to defend this play without taking a penalty. Something else that's really magnified in the playoffs is winning faceoffs. And unfortunately, the Rangers, not only did they not win the ensuing faceoff, Sebastian Ajo against Mika Zibanejad, Ajo won it clean back to the point to Vatanen, and then Vatanen pass across the ice to Andrei Svechnikov. And Svechnikov, he's got a lot of room here, a lot of real estate, but he just lets the puck fly and beats Henrik Lundqvist top shelf. I think we can say that it was a stoppable shot by Svechnikov here, but it was a great shot. You know, he went top shelf right under the crossbar, and the whole thing, again, set up by what I thought was a fairly unnecessary penalty. And then, of course, losing the faceoff, that doesn't help either. The faceoffs are so, so big in the playoffs, especially when the draw comes in one offensive zone or another. Obviously, the Kings, they go on the power play, 
play here so they get an offensive zone draw and just winning the faceoff just like that leads to a goal and this is the second time in two games that this has happened because there was a goal in game one as well where the Canes went on the power play they win an offensive zone draw and it leads directly to a goal on a deflection that was Aho who scored in game one and obviously Svechnikov scores here today right off of an offensive zone draw not to oversimplify things but it really does seem like this is a case where the Hurricanes right now are just a better team than the Rangers and you can start with the superstar players on each side and their guys are outperforming our guys right now. You know, that top line that we talked about with them, Aho, Svechnikov, and Tara Vinen, uh, they look great today. They looked borderline unstoppable at times. They were creating scoring chances. Obviously, Svechnikov with the hat trick. I know for the Rangers, you know, you look to guys like Artemi Panarin, you look to Mika Zibanejad, you look to Chris Kreider. I know Panarin scored today. I know Mika Zibanejad scored in game one, but they don't look like the same dangerous players that we saw all throughout the regular season. On one hand, we're spoiled because they certainly set the bar very high for themselves. If Panarin and Zibanejad underwhelmed during a two-game stretch in the regular season, we're barely going to notice it because they'll just be scoring in the next game anyway. But it does stand out more in the playoffs, especially in a short series like this, just not getting a enough from Panarin, from Zibanejad, from Kreider. And I'm not killing these guys. I don't think any Ranger fans should be should be turning on them, but I got to be objective as well because just as sure as I've sung their praises throughout the regular season, these unbelievable seasons that Panarin and Zibanejad have had, uh, I don't think they've looked quite the same here in these playoffs. And part of that could be still shaking off the rust. I mean, that's something that every hockey player has to deal with that's playing in these playoffs. And part of it, you know, you got to be your cap to the Canes a little bit because they are playing great hockey right now. And I know there's a lot of Ranger fans who want to blame this guy or blame that guy or we lost because Stephen Fogarty played instead of Kravtsov or we lost because, you know, what is Brett Howden doing on the third line or we lost because Greg McKaig is getting too much ice time or we lost because Lundqvist didn't make that one save that would have been an incredible save had he made it. You know, you can point to a lot of different things, but ultimately a team is the sum of its parts. And right now the parts that made the Rangers such a good team and led them on such a great second half surge. Again, this team went 14-7-1 down the stretch this season. The guys who were the biggest contributors for that stretch, they just don't look the same. I mean, look at it this way. How many players on the Rangers, and again, I realize it's just two games, it's almost unfair for me to even say this, but how many players on the Rangers right now through these first two playoff games are giving you more than you would have expected, are giving you more than what you've seen from them throughout the entire regular season? There aren't many. I mean, the first name that comes to mind for me is Capo Caco. I know he hasn't gotten on the score sheet yet, but he does look dangerous with the puck. Uh, I thought he had a couple of good opportunities today. He does not look overwhelmed by the magnitude of playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He looks very comfortable out there, and he's been physical as well. You know, there's been a couple times where the Canes have looked to knock him around a little bit, and he gives it right back to them. So I think Caco has been great. I would, I mean, it, it's kind of a ridiculous example, but I would say Greg McKaig maybe has played better than you would expect. And I realize the bar is only so high for Greg McKaig because he is what he is. He's a fourth-line player with not much offensive upside. But I think he's done all right throughout the series. Maybe he's given you a little bit more than you would have expected. He almost set up Brett Howden for a goal here today. And then you also have these players that played well in game one, but were kind of invisible in game two or vice versa. And two names that come to mind right there. I thought Brett Howden looked really good today and he was rewarded by moving up to the third line uh, in place of Julian Gauthier. But I didn't really see Howden do much in game one. I don't think he was really all that visible. And then just the opposite with Julian Gauthier. And I realized part of that is he was sent down from the third line to the fourth line. So you're only going to get so many minutes on the ice if that's the case. But, you know, 
Quinn saw enough from both Howden and Gautier to make that switch today. And Gautier, I thought, was kind of invisible today after having, you know, a pretty strong game in game one. So you've got examples like that as well. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, he's another one. Where has Pavel Buchnevich been throughout these two games? I know that toward the end of today, he got some scoring chances, you know, but it was kind of in garbage time. The Rangers were down 4-1, to one, and you never give up. You never throw in the towel. You never know what can happen. But he had a lot of, you know, pretty quality scoring chances toward the very end of this game with about three or four minutes to go. I think he even put one shot off the crossbar. But Buchnevich, up to that point, you know, was he the most visible player for the Rangers throughout this series, throughout these two games? I haven't really seen much from him. Uh, Philip Heedles looked good at times. You know, that he had a chance today where he was in alone, but uh, Mrazek made the save. So, I mean, again, you look up and down this lineup. If you want to go to the defenseman, how about, um, you know, maybe Jacob Truba? I think he's played pretty well. But considering what the Rangers are paying him, I don't know that you really look at him and think like, wow, he's really exceeded expectations here. I mean, he's played well. Don't get me wrong. I think Truba has played well in this series. But I don't look at it as like anything earth-shattering or like, wow, he's going to spearhead the Rangers to a win here. And the rest of the defensemen, I mean, look at Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo. Now, I know D'Angelo, he made a really nice pass today to Ryan Strom, who then dished to Artemi Panarin to set up the Rangers' lone goal. But, you know, you look at D'Angelo and you look at Adam Fox, I don't think either one has played terribly, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here, but do they look like the same dangerous players that we saw all season? The guy that when the puck is on their stick, they're going to, you know, either let one rip or they're going to find somebody in deep. They just you know, they don't look dangerous with the puck. They don't look as dangerous with the puck as we're used to seeing them look. And again, part of this is you got to give props to the Canes because they have played great. They have really limited the Rangers' scoring opportunities. Once again today, the Rangers went one for four on the power play, but even there, you know, they needed a five on three to make it happen. And it took them almost the entire five on three. I believe it took them about a minute and 14 seconds. That can't be off by more than a couple of seconds either way. But they had about a minute and 14 seconds of five on three play before they finally put the puck in the net. So at least they got one. They got a power play goal. But again, you know, Canes were great on the penalty kill and they just turned in another great defensive effort overall. And you know, the other thing, this is out of the Rangers' control, too. Peter Morazic played very well today. You know, there were a couple of chances that the Rangers had that it looked like, you know, maybe it was going to be ticketed for the back of the net, and Morazic was up to the challenge. Morazic had a rough exhibition game against the Capitals. He gave up three goals in just half the game, and then he was replaced by uh, James Reamer, and... You're just kind of hopeful that maybe he's not going to be so sharp for this series, and maybe the Canes aren't really sure which goalie to go with, and that has not been the case. I don't think the Rangers really tested Morazic that much in Game 1, but he was tested today, and he passed with flying colors. You know, he made some really nice saves for the Canes. I still don't think the Rangers are producing as many scoring opportunities as they would like. There were more in this one than there were in Game 1, but... More often than not, whenever the Rangers actually do create, you know, a really quality, high-danger scoring opportunity, Peter Mrazek was making the saves today, you know, so you do have to give some credit there as well. But in just a second, we're going to go period by period here, just kind of break down everything that happened, all the key highlights of this game, and we're also going to talk, I'm going to save some time at the end to discuss the Rangers' goaltending situation, because for Game 3, and of course the Rangers are down two games to none now, so it's desperation time, and I think there's a chance that any of the three goalies could end up between the pipes to start Game 3 on Wednesday night. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. 
Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Coming into this game, the Rangers knew they were going to be without Jesper Foss. He, of course, was injured in Game 1 due to the big hit by Brady Shea. And there was a lot of debate as far as who should replace Jesper Foss in the lineup. And I know there was some clamoring for Vitaly Kravtsov or maybe even Vinny Letary to jump in there for the Rangers. And it ends up being Steven Fogarty. It was probably going to be one of those three. I mean, I can't really imagine that it really would have been anyone other than those three players. And it depends what you're looking for. If you want... Scoring, maybe you look to Letary or you look to Kraftsoff. If you want a little bit more of a physical player, a guy who can step out there and kill penalties like Jesper Foss does, then Stephen Fogarty's your guy. And the one thing that Stephen Fogarty has going for him is he played in 18 games for the Rangers this season. Letary has played in 46 total games for the Rangers, although none of them this year. And then Kraftsoff obviously yet to make his NHL debut and kind of had an underwhelming season with the Hartford Wolfpacks. So, yeah, I mean, it was going to be one of those three. They end up going with Fogarty. I realize that's not the most exciting choice, but I can't kill David Quinn for this because he's looking to get somebody in there who can do the things that Jesper Foss does, including playing a little bit physical and killing off power plays. And again, there's a case to be made for the other two guys. And maybe now for game three, maybe you find out a way to get either Kravtsov or Letary into that lineup. I would think maybe Letary, because you put Kravtsov out there and... It's just a tough spot to make your NHL debut because the Rangers, they're obviously down two games to none at this point. They are one loss away from having their season end. He has not played at the NHL level, and so that's not easy to just say, hey, kid, jump on the ice and fix all of our offensive problems right now and do it against this Carolina team that's playing fantastic defense and is a very, very physical team. I don't know. I'm not saying you can't do it, but I just don't know that that's going to work out the way that you know a lot of the pro crafts off people are expecting it to work out. So I think I would favor Letary over either of those other two guys for the next game. If one of the three is going to end up in the lineup, I think I would go with Letary. Now, it might be a moot point because Brandon Lemieux is coming back from suspension. So you got to figure Fogarty is definitely coming out of the lineup. Brandon Lemieux probably going to jump in. But if you want to try to shake things up a little bit, try to get a little bit more offense, then maybe Letary's your guy. He had a very nice season for the Wolfpack this year. 61 games, he scored 25 goals and 22 assists. Last season with the Wolfpack, 48 games, 23 goals and 25 assists. So certainly a guy who's capable of contributing offensively. And just given the fact that the Rangers in three games now, I'm, I'm including the exhibition game against the Islanders, they've scored just five goals. Maybe you need to do something to get some more offense and get somebody out there who you think can contribute offensively. And I think between the three of them, between Fogarty, uh, Kravtsov, and Letary, Letary might be the guy that's most suited to do that. So I would not be shocked if they end up finding a way to get Letary on the ice. The only tricky part then is who comes out of the lineup because you got to figure Brian Lemieux is going to be back out there in place of Fogarty. So I don't know who you pull out of the lineup then if you're going to go with a guy like Letary. I mean, I suppose maybe you could take McKeg out, although I think McKeg's played okay during this series. It's a tough call. And then you have the same issue where if you dress Letary, are you just going to have him out there on the fourth line and playing, you know, seven or eight minutes? I mean, what's that going to do, right? So I don't know. It's a tough 
tough decision that Coach Quinn has to make, and I think maybe tomorrow we'll do an episode uh, before the game because obviously the Rangers don't play until 8 o'clock tomorrow, so tomorrow during the day we'll do another episode. We'll dive into this a little bit deeper and try to come up with uh, you know who we think should be out there for the Rangers. But let's go ahead, dive into the details of this game. I think maybe I've been putting it off a little bit subconsciously here because I know that it obviously didn't go the Rangers' way, and they are now one loss away from having their season end. But this game starts 16 seconds into the game. What do you guys think happened? Just take a wild guess here. Say it with me. The Rangers took another penalty, and it was a really bad penalty by Pavel Buchnevich. There's just no need for this. And, you know, we can argue about maybe this is a little bit of a ticky-tack penalty, but the refs have already shown they're going to call it tight in this series and tight in the playoffs overall. I think, you know, if you look at I don't know if anyone's watching any of the other games, but it looks like anything that looks like it could be a penalty, they're pretty much going to call it. So, you know, Buchnevich, it's a cross-check. You know, by the layer of the law, this is a cross-check. He knocks his man to the ice, and it's in the offensive zone, and 16 seconds into the game, the Rangers are shorthanded. Now, the Rangers do do a very nice job on the penalty kill. There was a 2-on-1 situation here where uh, D'Angelo went down on his stomach, but he ended up kind of just sliding too far and took himself out of the play, and Henrik Lundqvist came up with a great save. Looks like he got just a piece of it with his left arm to send it wide. The Canes do take the lead right after this, though. Sebastian Ajo goes in up the left wing, and he gets a pass through Tony D'Angelo to Andre Svechnikov, and Svechnikov shoots and scores. It's probably one that Henrik Lundqvist would want back. It kind of just went right under his arm there. It's, it's a save that he's got to make. You know, I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want to kill Henrik Lundqvist for this, but it's a save that we're used to seeing Henrik Lundqvist make and one that, you know, he really just has to come up with. And I know that, you know, Mark Stahl was a little bit late getting over to cover Andrei Svechnikov on this play and, and try to disrupt the scoring opportunity, but be that as it may, this wasn't really a lethal pinpoint accurate shot. It's one that just kind of got through Henrik Lundqvist on the short side, and just like that, another early goal for the Canes, another early deficit for the Rangers, and playing from behind less than five minutes into the action here. Rangers almost respond just a couple of minutes later. You've got a play where Greg McKaig has the puck, and he swoops around behind the Hurricanes net. He kind of eluded Brady Shea on this play, and then he dished out in front to Brett Howden right there on the doorstep, and this one, man, this looked like it was going to be a goal, but unfortunately, Peter Morazic makes a great glove save, hangs on, does not allow a rebound, and the Canes still up one to nothing at that point. Brett Howden showing well early in this game. I think that's why Quinn eventually moved him up to the third line in place of Julian Gauthier a little bit after this. Rangers are in a power play not too long after that, and give credit to Filippito for drawing this penalty. He was really busting his tail to get to the loose puck in the neutral zone, and he ends up drawing a penalty. The Canes take another penalty, and so the Rangers end up with a minute and 22 seconds of five-on-three power play opportunity here, and it took them some time, but they eventually got it working. Mika Zibanejad rang a shot off the post, and then a beautiful pass by Tony D'Angelo in deep to Ryan Strom. Strom immediately moves the puck basically right across the top of the crease there to Artemi Panarin, and Panarin, a little bit of a tough angle, but he's Artemi Panarin. He can bury that shot, and that's exactly what he did here, and just like that, tied at 1-1, and the Rangers finally break through on the power play. It was a five-on-three, but nevertheless, they do convert on their opportunity here. And then one last play I got to talk about from the first period is it's tied at 1-1, and to this point in the game, I think the Rangers have had the better of play. I know the score is tied, but I feel like the Rangers doing a far better job on the forecheck than they did at any point in game one, just creating a couple more scoring opportunities, looking a little bit more like themselves, basically. But there's a play, about a minute 30 to go in the first period, just a horrible giveaway by Brendan Smith, and Lundqvist completely bailed him out. And Brendan Smith, you know, I, I think he's played okay in these two games, nothing, you know, fantastic that just makes you stay 
been in awe of him or anything like that. But for the most part, I think he's played pretty well. He's been physical. He's won a couple of puck battles. But this is just inexcusable. He's in the corner behind the Ranger net, and he tries to pass the puck up the ice. You know, just one of those really long passes, maybe looking to spring somebody on a breakaway. We don't really know where he was trying to get the puck because the camera never moved because his pass never went where he was trying to get it to go. So I don't know. Maybe somebody was open. Maybe Brendan Smith thought that he could uh, spring somebody on a breakaway there, but it was not meant to be. He just completely shanked the pass, and it goes right in front of the net. And Lundqvist, he's all by himself. He's on an island. He makes a great point-blank save. And I wrote down in my notes at the time, and I stand by this, biggest save that Henrik Lundqvist has made all season because it would have been a complete gut punch to the Rangers if they, you know, for the most part, outplay the Hurricanes in the first period, but then you get a play like this, and it leads to a Canes goal, and just like that, the Canes are back on top 2-1 to one going into the first intermission. That's not ideal for any team, especially not ideal for a young team like the Rangers. So just an absolutely huge save by Lundqvist in this instance, and, you know, again, it was not his best game. I think he played better in Game 1 than he did today, but he did make some nice saves, and none bigger than this one right here. And then we go to the second period, and more specifically, this just nightmarish start to the second period for the Rangers. They just, right off the opening draw, it just didn't seem like they had quite the same spring in their step as they had in the first period, and it leads to the Canes scoring a pair of goals. First of all, you get a penalty against Brennan Smith. He's called for high sticking against Sebastian Ajo. Now, on one hand, I do understand this from Smith's point of view a little bit, because on one hand, he's trying to prevent Sebastian Ajo from getting to some prime real estate there. The puck was behind the Ranger net at the time, and you got to figure the Canes are going to look to pass in front to Ajo. But at the same time, Brandon Smith, you know, you got to be able to defend this play without taking a penalty, without high-sticking Ajo. And again, you know, the refs are calling everything, but they've already set that precedent. So, yeah, I mean, the penalty is called, and... Brennan Smith goes off, and like we were talking about in the intro, it takes the Canes all of three seconds to score a goal. They win the offensive zone draw clean, and they move it over to Svechnikov, and Svechnikov lets it fly again. Is this a stoppable shot by Lundqvist? It was. It was also a tremendous shot by Andrei Svechnikov. I'm not going to kill Lundqvist on this one. Again, maybe it was preventable, but that puck couldn't have been more than, you know, an inch, two inches underneath the crossbar. It really was just an excellent shot by Svechnikov on this play, and the puck even kind of knuckled a little bit. It just kind of had like a weird spin on it. It was strange. The, the analysts on MSG were talking about it as well. In a weird way, it's like he didn't get all of it, but that actually worked to Svechnikov's benefit on this play. And another thing that contributed to this goal is Brett Howden kind of stumbled a little bit, and that's why Svechnikov ended up having such a clean look at the net. Howden was trying to move to his left, uh, lost his footing just a little bit, and Svechnikov was able to just let it fly at the net. And then just a minute and 11 seconds later, the Canes score again to take a 3-1 to lead. And I hate to say this, but the Rangers really just got outworked here. First, they failed to clear the zone. There was a great play by the Canes defenseman, reaching up to knock the puck down just inside the blue line, and he keeps the play alive. The puck goes behind the Ranger net, and Tony D'Angelo is there. He puts a body on Geeky behind the net, but Geeky somehow gets loose and skates out in front of the net. And Philip Hedl, I don't know what was going on here or what he was doing, but he basically just skated right past Geeky. I mean, you're in prime position. Just crash into him. Knock him off the puck. Uh, fight for the puck a little bit. I don't know what happened. I don't know how Hedl missed this, but... Geeky faced no opposition skating in front of the Ranger net here. He just got a, a free path to some prime real estate, and he slides a pass across the top of the crease to Jordan Martinook, and Martinook just buries it from in deep. So, I mean, just like that, you blink, and a 1-1 tie goes to a 3-1 to deficit, and it's also a lesson for these Rangers. You know, again, it's a young team, but you got to know that you can't take your foot off the gas in the Stanley Cup playoffs, not even for a second, because the Rangers... 
up to this point, up to this nightmarish couple of minutes here, the Rangers had had the better of play, and it looked like maybe they were going to take control of this game, finally get to play with a lead in this series, and now, just like this, you know, you let up for just a minute, and you're down by two goals, and now you've got to come from behind against a team that plays sound defensive hockey. I mean, that's kind of their game. They really limit your scoring opportunities, and it's not over at this point, but it certainly is not going to be easy to come back and win this game if you're the Rangers. The Rangers do shake up their lines a little bit, obviously looking to create a few more scoring opportunities. They go with a top line of Artemi Panarin with Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich. And, you know, we could debate whether Quinn is mixing and matching a little too often during this playoff series. It kind of seems like he's gone against what he's done in the regular season. And that's for the most part, uh, kept lines together. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be adjustments to be made throughout the course of any two game season. Guys are going to move up. Guys are going to move down. Guys are going to be in and out of the lineup with injuries or, you know, somebody might be a healthy scratch one night and be back on the ice the next night. You never know. You know, there's always adjustments to be made. Uh, but I do think, you know, I, I can't kill Quinn for this either because this is a short series and the Rangers are really, really struggling to create scoring opportunities, especially in game one, but to a lesser extent here in game two. I mean, they only ended up scoring one goal here in game two. So Quinn's trying to go with his guys that he feels are dangerous and creating scoring chances and have the best chance of putting the puck in the net. And if he's got to mix and match a little bit throughout the course of the game, then so be it. Obviously here, he's kind of trying to go with the strategy of stacking the top line. Obviously, his two best players, Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin, out there with Pavel Buchnevich. Unfortunately, nothing doing here on this line's first shift together in this game, but Capo Caco does get a scoring opportunity shortly after he makes a couple of nifty moves to gain entry into the zone, moves up the left wing, takes a shot, Mrazek makes a save, does not allow a rebound, and then I thought the Rangers had a decent opportunity to score here as well. Uh, Brett Howden and Philip Hedl. This is after Henrik Lund uh, made a really nice pad save. They kind of start going in the opposite direction. A little bit of a give and go here. Uh, Howden, by this point, had moved up to the third line. We talked about that a little bit earlier. But Hedl ends up passing to Howden on the left wing. Howden goes right back to Hedl. Hedl goes right up the center of the ice. He got behind the Hurricanes defense. And this has been very rare in this series for the Rangers to have any sort of an odd man rush. I, this might be the only time it's happened. I mean, there certainly have not been any clean breakaways for the Rangers, I don't think. And not really that many odd man rushes to speak of either. But Hedl got behind everybody here. And it looked like he tried to go five hole, but Mrazek makes a stop. And once again, does not permit a rebound. Mrazek, like we said, you know, going into this playoff tournament, I mean... Do I think he's like an elite goalie of the 24 teams? Is he one of the, you know, five best? Probably not, but Mrazek's been around the block a little bit, and he's somebody who does have experience and clearly stepping up big for his team here. Like I said, you know, he did make some good saves in this game couple more scoring chances for the Rangers before the second period ends. First of all, you got Greg McKaig and Julian Gauthier really working hard to win a puck in the corner behind the Canes net, and then Gauthier with a cross-ice pass to Brennan Smith, and this looked like it had goal written all over it, but the puck just bounced on Smith a little bit, and Smith ends up knocking it over the glass, so didn't really get a shot on net there. Uh, Would have been huge, again, you know, to get a goal there, get back into the game right before the second intermission, and then one more chance before the period ends. Chris Kreider, he did a really nice job behind the Canes net, kind of shooting the puck from Jacob Slavin. The Rangers maintain possession for a while here, and then Fox gets a chance from the high slot, but puck deflects out of play. It looked like one of the players in the Hurricanes got a piece of it. So that's it. We get a little bit of a skirmish at the end of the period here. Uh, Buchnevich and Panarin and Zibanejad all involved in it, and it ends up resulting in matching minors and a 4-on-4 to start the third period. The third period was kind of blah. You know, there just weren't that many great scoring opportunities to the Rangers. I mean, they did in the last couple of minutes there, but by then they were down by three goals. It was kind of garbage. I don't want to say garbage time. I hate that term. But it was at a point where it's probably going to be too little, too late. 
Uh, they do start with the four on four, and they try to take advantage of some open space. They put Zibanejad and Panarin out there together, but nothing really came of it. Uh, they get a power play early in the third period. There was a pass to Kako that looked like it might result in a goal. Kako got possession of the puck in the slot, but the shot was blocked. But beyond that, on this power play, Rangers really not doing much of anything. And then with about six minutes remaining, Rangers still trailing by two goals, and Ryan Strom is at the point, and the puck just bounces right over his stick. I don't really know what happened there. It didn't look like it was that hard of a pass to handle, but be that as it may, Ryan Strom uh, just misplays it. You know, it is what it is. It's just another mistake by the Rangers here, and it leads directly to an odd man rush. And unfortunately, that top line for Carolina just happened to be on the ice, and you got Sebastian Ajo once again passing to Andrei Svechnikov for the goal. I can't kill Lundqvist on this one either. I mean, it's two very talented players going in on an odd man rush, and Svechnikov was feeling it today, and he buried the shot. And just like that, 4-1 to one with about six minutes left. Pretty much the clincher. I mean, you'll never get me to say that a game is over, but you're down by three goals with six minutes left. Uh, that certainly felt like the dagger at that point. D'Angelo and Martinook got into a fight in the waning minutes. It looked like D'Angelo really wanted this fight. They kind of fell to the ice pretty fast, and the linesman jumped in quickly. Uh, D'Angelo definitely had some choice words for Martinook as he was leaving the ice there. If anybody's a mouth reader, you can uh, figure out what he said. I'm certainly not going to repeat it here. But yeah, I mean, there were a couple of chances for the Rangers down the stretch, but it just it was too little too late. I mean, like we talked about in the intro, Buchnevich uh, hit the crossbar. There was an instance where Buchnevich put the puck on net. Morazic just got a piece of it, and then Adam Fox was there, but he couldn't quite put home the rebound. And so creating a couple of scoring chances late in the game, if you're looking for a silver lining, maybe this can carry over into Game 3. Rangers obviously aren't going to have a lot of time to look their wounds here because they are back in action for Game 3 on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. They will be the quote-unquote home team for this matchup for whatever that's worth. And I don't know, you know, with Game 3 being such a quick turnaround, you could make the case that it would be better for the Rangers to have an off day and kind of regroup a little bit and collect their bearings and then come back fresh ready to go the following day. But at the same time, you know, the way that this game has gone, I think the Rangers, you know, maybe they just want to get right back out there and go back to work and hopefully put forward their best effort yet so far in these playoffs. It's going to take a great effort to stave off elimination. I think the Rangers are certainly up to the task. They are certainly capable of beating this team. We've seen that time and time again. As for the goalie situation, we're kind of right back to where we started, where it could be any of the three in net for the Rangers with their backs against the wall, need to go in to keep their season alive. Uh, we'll see, you know, if, if Igor Shesterkin is healthy, I would imagine it would probably be him. Maybe you give your team a little bit of a spark. The Rangers are 10-2 and two in games started by Shesterkin this season, so maybe you just roll with that. Maybe you go back to Henrik Lundqvist, the veteran, or maybe you give Alex Georgiev a chance. I think all three options are certainly on the table, and we will talk about that a little bit more in tomorrow's episode. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.